Hello Pillars, this is Holkens here. Welcome back to our podcast, P-O-Z for Pillars of Zion podcast. I am excited to be with you today. I have a brand new mic. Hopefully the sound is much, much better um, this time. All praise and honor to God for giving us the opportunity to be with you once again. Thank you for your support and your feedback. Please continue to listen, comment, and share the podcast um, with your friends. It means a lot to me. Quick announcement, we have a new page on facebook called zion caster community you may have a question about an episode you can go on the zion caster community page on facebook and come make a comment there share with your friends and give us some feedback on or have or any question that you may have for those of you who join us for the very first time welcome this is a podcast where we discuss young adult related issues and draw instructions from god's word the bible in our journey to become pillars of his kingdom for the bible says in psalm 144 verse 12 may our sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants may our daughters be like graceful pillars built to beautify a palace revelation chapter 3 verse 12 says he who overcomes i will make him a pillar in the temple of my god on him i will write the name of our god welcome everybody i have a very special topic for you today it's called the other time to worship but before we get into it let's do a quick prayer by your hands if you are driving please do not by your hands heavenly father thank you once again we honor you we glorify your holy name thank you for giving us a chance to be on this podcast today thank you for everybody that is listening thank you for giving us another day for we know that not many have the opportunity to be alive today with so many things going on in the world Thank you once again. Thank you for all of those who join us on this podcast. May your spirit be with us. May your word be imparted in us. And may we find instructions in our journey to become pillars for your kingdom. Thank you. We pray you be with us in the name of your son, Jesus. We pray. Amen. Our topic for today is the other time to worship. First and foremost, what is worship? It is an expression of reverence to God. In two words, it is pleasing God. A longer definition would be act, talk, do, behave in a way that honors God. When we act, when we talk, when we behave, and when we do things in a way that God would want us to do, we bring honor to him and we bring worship to him. I'm not here today to make this podcast all about what worship is. I believe you already have an understanding of it. However, I want to quickly see with you four ways to worship outside the norm of what we do as worship on Sundays. The very first point of this topic today is bring worship to God in dealing with your enemy. Bring worship to God in dealing with your enemy. Allow me to tell you the way you deal with your enemy is an opportunity to bring worship to God. I know you can think of someone who just makes or has made the hair on the back of your neck rise. This person is just an opportunity to bring worship to God. Sometimes God will test you and allow you to have the upper hand where he brings your enemy under your feet. But he's watching to see if you will avenge yourself or do something bad to that person. When you do something bad to that person, you basically tell God that he is smaller than the hurt or the anger you feel inside towards that person that has hurt you. You're basically taking God's place and say your treatment of that person is so much better than what God would have done himself. Bible says in Romans chapter 12 verse 9, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it is written it is mine to avenge I will repay says the Lord your treatment of your enemy 
is telling God your ego is more important than what his word says. When you choose to treat your enemy well, you telling God, in spite of my pain, regardless of what that person did to me, I am bringing you worship by obeying your words first and not what my pain tells me to do. God takes great pleasure in a person who denies his own feelings for the sake of his kingdom, for the sake of God, for the sake of his word. I know there are some people that do things explicitly to hurt you, to damage your reputation, to make you lose your job. Um, people lie about you. People say all kinds of things about you uh, on Facebook, with their friends, on their text messages. You are not to take any action towards that person based on what they did to you, but based on what God asked you to do. My commitment to worship doesn't change based on my situation, but it is firmly grounded on what God says. A couple of things to pay attention to in the Bible. Notice when Saul was running after David. David had an opportunity to kill Saul. His soldiers were egging him on to kill Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 24, he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed man of the Lord. Well, you may say the person I'm dealing with is not an anointed of God. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. What's the difference between you and the world? The world loves those who love them, hate those who hate them. Your worship to God calls you to go beyond what the world does in your treatment with your enemies. Secondly, if you notice in Psalm 23, that it's a psalm that we all love. In verse 5 specifically, it says, God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. God is blessing you before your enemy and there is nothing your enemy can do about it. But he doesn't tell you to take that cup or that chair you're sitting on and smash it on the head of your enemy. That's why sometimes some testimonies in church don't bring any worship to God. Sometimes people testify so that the, the, the person that had uh, hurt them uh, or the person that they are not friends with in the congregation can know what is good, what is going on in their life. So the testimony that they are giving inside the church is not so much that God can be glorified in the things that he has done for that person, but it's more so that they can tell the person that don't like them or the person that knows that they know we're talking about, was talking about them, they can tell them how well their life is going, how good their life is. They're throwing stones at the person using God's name under the pretext of a testimony. Your enemy is an opportunity to bring worship to God. Second point, bring worship to God in your temptation. Temptation is a desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. The funny thing about temptation is it's never something about you that you don't like or you don't want. It, it is always something that you like. It is some, always something that you desire. It, it is something that your flesh needs, your ego needs, or your emotion needs. For instance, Temptation is never about that girl or that guy you don't like. It's always about that girl or guy that you do like. It's never about taking that money when you have no need for it. But it's about being offered money when you know your rent is due or your car broke down and you can't fix it. There are two sources of temptation, yourself and the devil. In James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. In Matthew 4, 
the devil went and tempted Jesus. In Genesis chapter 3, the devil tempted Adam and Eve. In reality, it's coming from you because the devil brings to you what he knows you have a desire for. We bring worship to God in our temptation when we choose to deny our flesh, what our flesh needs, what our flesh desires, our ego, what our ego needs, what our ego desires. God is pleased with you because you choose him over your urges. Regardless of what I may be in need for, I choose to worship him. I choose to deny what my flesh needs so I can follow what God needs. It's not all about standing in, in, inside the church and raise your hand. It's about how you react to that temptation that comes your way. The de- your, your flesh will bring you temptation. The devil will bring you temptation. But you will bring, that is an opportunity for you to bring glory to God in the way you react to that temptation. Notice as soon as Jesus himself finished rebuking the devil, rejecting the temptation, the angels came to worship him. His human side resisted the temptation. His God's side received the worship. He rejected the temptation so God can receive the glory. It so happens to be that he is also God, so he's the one that received the glory. Worship is all about bringing glory to God. Worship is all about honoring God. When God sees that something that is a temptation to you, something that is very appealing to you, and he notices that you choose to deny that thing when you actually have the perfect opportunity to to do it, and you choose to deny it because of him, he is worshipped by that. Third point, bring worship to God by being the best you. Part of our worship to God is to be the best you, the best self that you can be, or to continuously improve yourself day by day in all area of your life, educationally, spiritually, financially, socially, morally, emotionally. God does not need us to be with our hands up 24-7 saying hallelujah. That is not even humanly possible. However, he wants us to be the best self that we can ever be to him. God sends you to be you. God knows exactly what he sends you, what he puts inside of you. By not being that best person that he wants you to be, you are not worshiping him. Please don't go tell your pastor or someone that I say that you don't have to come to church to worship. Context is everything. Your church experience is also part of your daily worship to God. He wants, you to, he wants us to bring him worship inside the church and outside the church. An example, I have two boys, a six-year-old and a two-year-old. Every time I go to my son's room, I see them playing together, watching TV, or even sleeping, I am happy. At that stage in their lives, they are doing exactly what I want them to do. For those of you who may have children that are much older than my sons, you take great pleasure in watching them push for excellence in their lives by going to school, doing their chores, doing their homework so they can be their best selves. Every once in a while, I would give my son something and they would say thank you. But they are not in front of me every single day saying thank you, daddy. Thank you, daddy. You're such a great father. I am pleased with them being who they are and living how they are right now. A father is happy watching his son succeed in school, getting good grades, graduate and getting a diploma, getting a job, getting a promotion, get married. The father is very proud of his son. That's the father's will for his son. God's will for us doesn't only include being part of the worship service on Sunday. Those examples I just gave you are regular daily life examples. None of them has to do with raising your hands or sing inside the four, four walls of the church. Proverbs chapter 23, 24 says the father of a righteous child has great joy 
a man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. If God rejoices in us, that means God finds worship in us. A good son brings honor to his father. Being a good son or daughter brings honor to God. God is well pleased watching you as your father doing the things that you are supposed to do. Being responsible, helping someone, taking an accountability for your life. That's why in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Let your light shine before others that may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Let my behavior be the reason God's name is being glorified. If you think about that verse for a minute, if you are in a room full of light bulbs or lamps shining, which means inside the church, supposedly we are all Christians inside the church and our, and our lights are shining. Your light here is shining because you are in a room that is dark, which is the world. So your behavior now should be a light to them, shining, which forces them to glorify God. So your behavior brings worship to God outside the church walls. Fourth point. Bring worship to God outside the four walls of the church. Paul in the book of Romans presents a clear definition of worship. In the 12th chapter, verse 1, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. To be able to present your body as a holy sacrifice, he explains in the next verse, you have to continually renew your mind with God's will so you can be transformed into that holy sacrifice. The refreshing of your mind removes all the dirt that the world has deposited in it and keeps only the godly thoughts. Your thought dictates your behavior. If your thought is fresh in the word of God, your behavior changes. The Sunday service worship is part of worship, but that's not all there is to it. The Sunday morning service is an organized, concerted effort among the believers to gather in one place to adore God, to reveal God, to put the spotlight on how great and mighty God is, to encourage one another. Where I could be home doing something and someone else is, is at his house doing something else, Sunday morning allows us to come together in one place in one accord with the sole objective for our minds, our lips all together to show admiration of who God is. However, worship is an everyday thing. Our daily action should be a worship unto God. And when we don't do that, we don't worship Him in our actions outside the church. We even cause non-believers to blaspheme His name. That's why in Romans chapter 2, verse 24, it says, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. He's not talking about the two, three, or five hours you spend in church uh, during the week. In fact, the Gentiles wouldn't find that opportunity to blaspheme God's name because we are on our best behavior inside the church. Everybody's holy inside the church. He's talking about our behavior outside the church hours. Your behavior when you are with your friends outside the church hours. Your behavior during the past six days can either um, enhance your worship experience on Sunday or make it even harder for you to enter his presence into worship when you come to church on Sunday. Sunday should be the culmination, the climax of what your worship has been in the week. Notice when you spend a week reading your Bible, living quote-unquote right. Your Sunday morning experience or Sunday morning services experience is, is more pleasant. You are ready, you are excited to talk to people, you are ready to worship, you are ready to fellowship. Now, you know when you get to church, 
how heavy it is to even sing a song when your week has not been the holiest. It's not just about singing only. It's just the people you were around, the kind of thoughts that come to your mind, what TV shows, what movies, or what music you were entertaining yourself with, the kind of conversations you were having, what behavior you were contemplating. Worship is not about Sunday only. God created us to worship Him. We probably spend two to five hours in the church at most. There are 168 hours during the week. It would be odd if the worship that God intended for us to do for him was only during the church hours. If you spend five hours in church, you spend 163 hours outside the church for that week. That's 97% of your time outside the church. That means only 3% of your time is spent inside the church. So God would create us to do something and we would only have had to spend three hours of our time doing it. We have to worship God outside the church walls. The things we say must be worshiped to him. The words we use must be worshiped to him. Our words must be seasoned with grace. Our action must be in line with, with what the word of God says in order to bring worship to him inside the church and outside the church. All right, pillars, to review, our topic for today is the other time to worship. Bring worship to God in dealing with your enemy, very important. Bring worship to God in your temptation. Bring worship to God by being the best you. And bring worship outside the four walls of the church. I have some application questions for you. Does your worship on Sundays equate your worship during the week? Does your worship on Sundays equate your worship during the week? Second question. Is the anger you feel inside of you towards somebody who has hurt you worth more than the God inside of you? Third question, what part of your life that you need to bring to excellence for the glory of God? Fourth question, identify your temptation and how can you subdue that temptation to bring worship to God? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for giving us a chance to be on this podcast today. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for those that took the time to listen to the podcast. May you add a blessing unto our lives. May we be good worshipers for you, Father. May we bring worship in everything that we do when we're dealing with our enemy, when we're dealing with temptation inside your church and outside the church. Thank you for this time again. We, we bless your name. We glorify your holy name. We pray you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, pillars, this is Prayers here. Thank you once again for joining us on our podcast, Zioncast. Continue to listen, share with your friends. It means the world to me. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed week. Meditate on, on these words. Thank you. See you soon. God bless you.